I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything now you'll be surprised at the info you get. Is by hey, everybody. Welcome to another damn fantasy podcast presented by Stadium Rant. It's me, your host, Dan, and we've got Trevor Steinbacher here as well. We're going to be talking about all kinds of cool stuff here on the podcast today. Trevor, why don't you go ahead and uh, run them through what we're going to be uh, talking about tonight? We've got a lot on the agenda tonight. Top 12 wide receivers, top 12 tight ends. We're going to sneak those in tonight. I know we told you all last week that we were definitely going through the top 12 wide receivers. We'll also give a, a couple takeaways that we have from week one preseason games. They're going to week twos right around the corner coming right up. Uh, we're kind of <laughs> stuck in between them here. Uh, but we, we're just trying to do everything we can to get you all ready for your drafts. And we'll talk even more fantasy football drafts next week, right after we finish up our rankings this week. Absolutely, yeah. I think a shuffle was in order a little bit. We're going to get you all of those those top rankings because redrafts are starting. I mean, I have my first redraft this week. We have Trevor and I, we co-manage a team that we're doing for a dynasty league. A lot of good stuff coming up. How responsible would it be for us to not prepare you guys? Or I guess irresponsible. How irresponsible would that be for us to not prepare you, right? So preseason week one. You know, Hall of Fame game aside, there's quite a bit of storylines to follow. I think the big one for me, Trevor, is definitely about the young wide receivers in the league and uh, some of these guys running their routes, getting the work with their quarterbacks. A lot of them look pretty good. Uh, the two that I that stuck out to me the most were George Pickens and Romeo Dubs. Um, both of them were able to score touchdowns. I know everybody saw that George Pickens toe tap in the corner of the end zone. Um, that was a guy that I had my sights set on for the Kansas City Chiefs when it was when we were drafting. We ended up trading back. Steelers swooped in and we got Sky Moore. Totally fine with that trade because we got Kennard uh, as part of that trade. Uh, essentially, we got the draft pick to, to select him. Watching these young wide receivers, those two in particular, uh, you know, you just see a lot of promise in in what they're going to bring to you on Sundays for your fantasy teams. Um, another guy that I'd like to highlight is Tyquan Thornton. He looked really good up there in New England. They have a very crowded wide receiver room, so he may not make a huge impact this year, um, but definitely a lot of potential for him to grow in that offense and with Mac Jones. What was your big takeaway? Just to touch base on your pickings thing, there have been other wide receivers that have done toe taps in the NFL. You may not have known that from reading Twitter this weekend. Right. Uh, but no, it, it's always exciting, especially the rookies, man. The rookies getting out there, showing off their abilities. Uh, it, it's fun to watch. And I agree with you on the Thornton piece. He's definitely like a, a deeper sleeper type dynasty ad. If you already got your dynasty leagues running, he might be out there on waivers. He might be a guy that you cut. I have a lot of dynasty leagues that we have cut days here in August. And then we have a, our last cut day on September 1st, right before the season. Could be a guy out there that gets cut from a dynasty team. Uh, you could add him to the end of your end of your bench there. My biggest takeaway from week one is it feels like we have some quarterback controversies out there, most particularly in Pittsburgh and in Carolina. Pittsburgh ran, runs out. Pickett, Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph. And Mason Rudolph was not even in the picture, but he kind of looked like the best player or uh, the best quarterback there, uh, at least in week one. So I assume Trubisky is still going to be the number one quarterback coming out of the preseason. But if Mason Rudolph continues to show out, maybe he's primed to try to take that opportunity finally. And then in Carolina, we know that Darnold and Baker are going to be going back and forth battling for this quarterback position. I really liked what both guys had to say in the press conferences after the game. They were both very honest and, and just all about themselves, not really talking about the other one, other guy. They're both talking, we got to do what's best for their team. I'm just out here taking my reps. You know, all the good fluff that you want to see out of your quarterback. And so they're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. It'll be interesting to see who Matt Rule rolls out week one. 
these guys are going to get more reps in week two and three, uh, depending on how the teams handle the, those situations there. But to me, that is a big takeaway. Who's going to be these quarterbacks? Because there's fantasy implications here. Pittsburgh and Carolina both have top wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore. We've talked about both of those guys last week. We both kind of mentioned their quarterback situations. So getting these two teams cleared up at quarterback will help us uh, when determining who to draft there come draft time. They came out and with the Pittsburgh situation in particular, they came out and they were talking about Mason Rudolph and uh, you just think it's training camp chatter when they're like, you know, he still has a legitimate shot at this job. You know, he still, he still has an opportunity here. We're not ruling him out. And the fact that they're, you know, keeping him in the mix, letting him get his opportunity shows that they were telling the truth a little bit there. He's obviously has the most experience in the offense that's got to be a little bit of an edge, but I'm with you on Trubisky week one. I don't think there's any chance he loses that job before week one. Let's put it that way. And then I'm really confident Baker Mayfield's going to take that Carolina job as well. But huge fantasy implications. If you don't know who's throwing the receiver the ball, how can you feel comfortable taking them <laughs> with, with your earlier, more valuable pick? Uh, just those things to watch out for, for sure. And then Seattle's got their own little controversy with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. That's another one to watch out for, for sure. Yeah, I think Mason Rudolph, if anything, maybe he gets the backup position. And maybe Kenny Pickett's just not a thing this year, which is very within the realm of possibilities. I think Drew Locke should be the quarterback in Seattle. I don't think that's actually what's going to happen. It kind of feels like they're leaning towards Geno. Mm -hmm. But I do think... Drew Locke's the better quarterback, and we're not going to be surprised if we see both of them throughout the year. But that's probably enough about quarterbacks. Let's talk more about pass catchers. We got some wide yes, receivers sir. and some tight ends to run through it's here. Time. Last week, we gave you our wide receivers 13 to 25. Go back, check that out. Those are going to be those guys that you're looking at. Depending on your draft style, your third or fourth wide receivers, the guys that you're going to be mixing and matching, your flex plays quite a bit. At least for me, those guys are my flex plays. This week, these are the guys that we're telling you, go get these guys. For me, I'm trying to get at least two out of this group. If I can snag all three of them in the first three rounds, I won't be scared to do that. We can talk more <laughs> draft styles next week. Let's go Let's go bottom up, right? We'll start at 12. Yes, sir. So let's hear your 12 to 9. Starting at number 12, you know, you, you listed him as wide receiver 13 last week, so we ended – our conversation on wide receivers with DJ Moore. He's number 12 for me. Absolutely. Um, I got him, you know, not far off, obviously from where you put him, but um, he's just put up so much, so much consistency in his career. You know, you can expect 1200 yards right around 80 to 90 catches and maybe four or five touchdowns. That's the super safe numbers. And with Baker Mayfield potentially taking that starting job in Carolina, you know, I could see him opening that up a little bit more. And if Christian McCaffrey is able to stay healthy, that's going to bring a little more balance to the offense as well. Um, so I really like him there. A.J. Brown at number 11. A.J. Brown kind of worries me. I think he's one of the most talented receivers in the league in general. But the fact that Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense, I think they may be leaning more towards a run-heavy kind of approach. I'm just not sure how it's going to pan out. Devontae Smith was in that offense last year, and he just didn't seem to get a whole lot of opportunities as the wide receiver one. So that's going to be one to monitor. At number 10, I have Keenan Allen. And at number 9, I have Mike Evan. So that rounds out my, my 12 through 9. How are things looking on your end? For me, number 12, I have Michael Pittman Jr. I believe you talked a little bit about him last week. I have him here just above DJ Moore. Love the opportunity he has there in Indianapolis and excited to see him with Matt Ryan. I have A.J. Brown at 11, so right where you have A.J. Brown. I have T. Higgins here at number 10. Told you last week I was going to talk about him today. I'm excited about T. Higgins. I'm excited about the prospects and the opportunities he's going to have. And I have Tyreek Hill down here at number nine there in Miami for T Higgins. For me, he's the guy I have to highlight here. Averaged over 15 and a half fantasy points last season, which ended up top 12 when you don't account the two or three guys that didn't, you know, he played one or two games, but anybody who played at least 14 games 
T Higgins was in the top 12 on a fantasy points per game average of 15 and a half. The Bengals are top seven in passing yards last year and top seven in the league in scoring. Zach Taylor really showed himself as a really talented and smart head coach. This offensive scheme showed out. I mean, obviously it took him to the Super Bowl. I think Zach Taylor is going to just continue to rely on this stud wide receiver duo this year. And of course that franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow, they've got a strong running game. They bolstered the offensive line. This offense is just going to be very solid. And you know, why can't T Higgins and Jamar chase both be top 10 wide receivers? I truly believe that's in a high percentage chance this year there in Cincinnati. Yeah, that Tyler Boyd being out there in Cincinnati, he has a lot of potential to swoop back into the offense at any time. And just having those two in the offense made me a little nervous. But T. Higgins, obviously one of the more talented young receivers. I would definitely take him if I had already snagged one of these other guys in the top 12 and he's available when it comes back around. That's definitely something I would be looking at for sure. Going back into the top 12, we're at number eight. We'll go eight through five here. At eight, I'm looking at Debo Samuel. I don't know how things are going to look in that Niners offense with Trey Lance. Uh, is Brandon Ayuk going to emerge as that new guy when you have somebody new throwing the ball in an offense? It's just one of those things that uh, you know you got to watch out for. Tyreek Hill at number seven for me in Miami. Any other year, I would put him in the top five, but I have not liked what I've seen from Tua so far in training camp. Too many lame duck throws. C.D. Lamb just before him in Dallas. C.D., I do want to highlight him on this portion of it because with the departure of Amari Cooper, he is numero uno. Michael Gallup is recovering from that ACL injury. Of course, you have Dalton Schultz over there competing for some targets, but outside of him, Cedric Wilson left that office offense also, so it's really limited. I know they drafted a rookie out there in, in Dallas. We'll see how much they can get him involved. But C.D. Lamb was the clear number one last year, and now that all of those extra targets are up for grabs, I think he's just going to capitalize even more on that volume that he's going to get. And then at number five, starting the top five, I got to put Stefan Diggs. I think from five through two, you're just kind of splitting hairs with those receivers. So Stefan Diggs just outside my top four. Well, how are things looking for you, man? I think it's to be expected. We're a little, we're pretty close here. I do have Mike Evans and Debo both ahead of Tyreek Hill. You had Tyreek Hill over those guys, but we're pretty close. I have Mike Evans there at eight. Debo just ahead of him at seven. CD Lamb for all the reasons that you just highlighted at six as well. And then I have Devontae Adams here at number five. I love the opportunity in Las Vegas. I, we've talked a lot about them throwing the ball a lot. We talked a mm -hmm. lot about it when we were talking about Derek Carr back in the quarterback episode. But I also understand there's there's more in Las Vegas. You've got Hunter Renfro there. you got Darren Waller there. You didn't really have those type of players in Green Bay. And we know how great Aaron Rodgers is. And I, I just believe that he elevated Devontae a little bit more. We're splitting hairs. That's why I've got Devontae back there. But I really, really want to talk about Debo. I'm not a 49ers fan, but sometimes I, I, I don't understand why. Because right now I'm just absolutely over the moon about this 49ers offense. And Debo coming off of the sensational breakout <laughs> season last year. One of just three wide receivers last year that averaged over 20 points. Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. I mean, you're you're in that kind of company. You deserve to, to, to be highly touted and highly ranked the next year. So dynamic. San Francisco used him in, in very unique ways. So unique people this year, right? All the conversation. Who's going to be this year's Debo Samuel? They're going to use him in the Debo Samuel role. Once he gets the ball in his hands there, he's dynamic. 1,400 yards last year receiving. He only had 77 catches. Like the yards after catch is amazing. He's so fast. He's so big. He's so hard to bring down. I just love him with the ball in his hands. Obviously, last year, the reason why he was a top three wide receiver was because San Francisco gave him the ball on the ground 59 times, which led to eight scores for him. He scored more rushing touchdowns last year, eight, than he did receiving touchdowns, which was six. But still, that's 14 touchdowns. Get him however you can get him. Put him in the top three of wide receivers last year. Now he's got Trey Lance, my man, at quarterback. <laughs> the offense is going to be electric. I really think Debo is going to be a part of that. And 
he's probably going at the one, two turn. Maybe he can fall into the two, the middle of the second round there a little bit. I'm taking him anywhere I can get him. He's electric and he's a guy that I really want this year. Six points to six points. Doesn't matter how he gets in the end zone, right? You know, you're going to want that. Do you have Devontae Adams at five? I put him at four. You know, I think Devontae Adams might be the most talented wide receiver overall in the NFL. But just coming to Vegas, you know, everyone is really hyped up on the Derek Carr connection and his relationship with him. You know, they're they're real good buddies and all that stuff. But exactly what you said is why he is not number one for me this year. There are a ton of other weapons out there in Vegas. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro cannot be overlooked in that offense either. Those things are just pieces to the puzzle that I'd want to see shake out before I would put him as my number one overall wide receiver. But I do like him, obviously, enough to put him in the top four. And if you're able to snag him, you know, late first round, uh, right around that one-two turn where you said Debo was going, that's about where I've been seeing Devontae Adams fall in a lot of drafts. I think maybe as high as six or seven even. If you're able to grab him, maybe pick 10, 12, couple him with another receiver like Debo Samuel, you know, you're setting yourself up for success for sure. Now at number three, I'm putting Jamar Chase. The Chase-Jefferson debate, I think it's firmly Jefferson is the more talented receiver. He has a larger body of work in the NFL. That's something that I tend to take and weigh a little more heavier. And then at number two, Justin Jefferson. It's hard for me to put him over the number one overall receiver. I mean, Cooper Cup put up better numbers than most quarterbacks last year and he's got that continuity in the offense again where he's essentially running it back with that Rams offense so I, I have Cooper Cup number one and Justin Jefferson number two that's exactly how I have it as well uh, the only difference we have here I have Diggs there at four love that offense that offense goes through Diggs all the things we've already said about Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, yes, there's other weapons there, but all the volume, it goes to Stephon Diggs. He has such a high target volume percentage there in Buffalo, and none of the guys are new. It's not It's not a new scheme. It's not a new team where Adams is learning a new team, new scheme. Again, we're really splitting hairs. According to ESPN ADP, Diggs, Adams, and uh, Debo are all kind of falling towards that back end of the first round. If I can get two of them at the at the turn, color me happy. I'm ready to rock. So <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong with any of those those guys there. I have Jamar Chase at number three, and I have Justin Jefferson as well, as I said, at number two. And then Cooper Cup at number one. But I got to give a shout out here before we go too far. You mentioned the Jefferson versus Chase debate, right? We're talking fantasy here. But one of the hottest articles on Stadium Rant this week was written by Nick Winograd, he compares the two LSU teammates, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, asking who's going to shine more for the 2022 season. You can go find that article on our feature page, stadiumrant.com, and go give Nick a follow on Twitter, at Nick Winograd2, uh, it's spelled N-I-C-K-W-I-N-O-G-R-A-D, and the number two. They're both studs, right? Uh, but it's a great read, and he makes a lot of really good points on on why one is better than the other. I'll let you go read it uh, to take a look at that, but they're both studs. They're both young. I mean, ideally or hopefully, right. They're going to be staples in this league for many years to come. Wide receivers tend to stick around a lot longer. Now for this season, it's cup number one. And there's a lot of debate out there, but I personally don't think there's any debate. I think the only reason people are putting Justin Jefferson over him is because Justin Jefferson is younger he's coming into his third year they they want to talk up third year breakouts but he's already broke out he broke out in his rookie season his rookie uh, so, season. so we're not like waiting on that anymore right last year cooper cup had his first year with matt stafford and he just broke famous football 145 catches <laughs> 1947 yards 16 touchdowns literally wins the triple crown for wide receivers he led the league in all three of those areas they bring in Allen robinson who I think is a better version of that Robert Woods, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. role, who, you know, mm -hmm. kind of playing opposite of Cooper Cup. I think Allen Robinson is going to be a little better than those two guys on the field, which should help alleviate some of the, the double teams and the overs 
uh, there for Cooper Cup. Not that any of that stopped him last year, anyways. So uh, you saw the, it in the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you do against this guy, especially with Matt Stafford throwing in the football. So, you know, both these running backs are hurt right now. They're both dealing with some some muscle injuries, some tendon stuff. It feels like they're always hurt. Akers and, and Daryl Henderson is who I'm talking about right. there. Yeah. You take all that information, and then we go back to the NFC West playing the AFC West this season. Six of the eight games that the Rams are going to play either against the NFC West or the AFC West, I'm going to guess six of those games will be in the mid-50s. Maybe not yeah. the games against Seattle. But all the other games should be in the mid-50s. <laughs> They're going to be high-flying games. Obviously, you want a lot of points to bring fantasy points. So when I'm putting all that together, I'm taking Cooper Cup over Justin Jefferson. There's there's really no questions for me there. L.A. has not done anything to tell me that Cooper Cup should not be the number one wide receiver in 2022. I'm totally with you there. You know, looking at our top 12s here, Let's take a peek at that 7 through 12 range. Which one of those guys do you think has the best potential to end up wide receiver number one? Barring no injuries here, um, you know, guys like if Jamar Chase goes down, T. Higgins could could easily jump in there, guys like that. But taking out any of that risk, I think it's A.J. Brown. The reason I've got him ranked lower is we don't know. We don't know yet in Philadelphia. We haven't seen him here in Philadelphia yet. But we know he's great. We know when he gets the ball in his hands, another guy that's tough to bring down, another guy who's very dynamic and take anything to the house. If he ended up as the wide receiver one in a, in a new new offense with a new quarterback, I won't be surprised at all. Uh, I, I can't rank him any higher than I have him right now just because of the unknown that we have and, and everybody ahead of him is guys that we kind of we kind of know and expect uh, this year and but when I'm looking at that 7 through 12, he stands out. He's a guy that I think usually is more at the 2-3 turn. So if you've got an early draft pick and you take a CMC or a Jonathan Taylor and you come back and A.J. Brown's your, your number one wide receiver, I think you're going to be pretty happy with that all season long. This Philly team should have a, a pretty good offense and a team that I think should challenge Dallas for the NFC East. No, I like that. I'm I'm hoping I want AJ Brown to do well, right? I, I actually really like Jalen Hurts. I've been a big fan of him. I don't know why the coaching staff had such a hard time trusting him to run that offense, but brought him to the playoffs last year. And now you're bringing in a Pro Bowl, maybe borderline all pro potential wide receiver into that offense. A lot of unknowns. So I definitely get where you're coming from capping him, but you know, seeing him flourish in that offense wouldn't surprise me. I'm saying in my 7 to 12 range, the guy I think that could end up wide receiver one has the most potential for it is Tyreek Hill. And that's just because we've seen him dominate with the Kansas City Chiefs and and seen him take his game from what it was when he first started blowing up, which was all deep balls and maybe a few kick and punt returns here and there, and evolve it into becoming a better route runner. He still has a little bit of hands issues you know, a little bit of drop issues, but we, we were able to see him sort of evolve the way that he played last year to take in more of those screen passes, more become more of a route technician, so to speak, to get open as opposed to just using his raw speed. And I think bringing those skills to Miami, having a true number two wide receiver opposite of you and Jalen Waddle, and then add in Mike Gesicki over the middle as well. You know, he's going to have a lot of potential there where the defense is not going to be keying on him the way that they did in Kansas City. So if all of those things pan out the way that they should, you know, I think he goes from being a top 10 receiver to potentially number one, and he's finished number one before. And he sure talked Tua up enough that he wants Tua to make him the number one fantasy wide receiver this year. Right. He's trying to get some Curry some favor over there or something. Some of those takes are just downright delusional. I just, it's <laughs> like I'm dumbfounded. Like even just trying to talk about it and trying to make a, a comment on it. Cause I'm like, you're literally only saying this because he's now your quarterback. There's no way in, in your mind. Can you actually believe some of the things that are coming out of your mouth? Well, the way he talks to, you know, if you had asked him about Tua and comparing him to Patrick Mahomes at this time last year, he would have totally disrespected him oh, on, yeah. uh, to the media. 100% would have. 
I, I get it, right? I, you're changing teams. You gotta you gotta talk up your quarterback. I just think you can talk up your quarterback without talking down your quarterback that made you a a Super Bowl champion. I want to hear, and I'm gonna make you go first here because you already picked my guy, but you got to the you got to the Google Doc before I did, so you can have him here. <laughs> Out of the top five wide receivers. Who do you think is is in the most danger of potentially falling out of the top 12 by the end of the season? Devontae Adams. I think just being in that new Vegas offense, you don't know what you're going to get from Josh McDaniel, the the new play call or play caller and head coach out there. There's a lot of other weapons. Derek Carr is going to have to spread the ball around quite a bit, you know, and I've never trusted Derek Carr to be consistent just because he hasn't shown that in his career. He puts up good numbers, you know, for, from a fantasy perspective, he's always, you know, QB 20 to 15, roughly. I just don't know about how he's going to look in that offense and whether or not he's going to be the main guy. You know, he is approaching 30 pretty quickly as well. And those kinds of things can take a toll on a receiver, too. So there's just a lot of unknowns with him in being in Vegas, as opposed to what the other four guys in my top five have which is continuity and a top-tier quarterback. I mean, I guess minus (laughs) the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. But I think Kirk Cousins is a a step ahead of Derek Carr for sure. Just a lot of those question marks over there in in Vegas have me wondering about where Devontae Adams is going to fall. I think at the end of the year, we're we're seeing him in, in the top seven or eight. But if he fell out of the top 10, it wouldn't really shock me. Plus, he has some injury history as well, you know, missing a game or two here and there. Yeah, and his history of being able to be the guy, score the touchdowns, the the red zone threat, the goal line threat. I mean, Aaron Rodgers used him as a goal line back essentially just by throwing it to him. All those things, we have to rank him up here in the top five, and we should be drafting him as a top five wide receiver and this isn't this isn't something that we think is going to happen. We're kind of just telling the story of if this goes bad, then maybe Devontae Adams isn't a top 12 wide receiver. I think we both believe he will be top five, top eight, but things can go bad sometimes. I was also going to choose Devontae Adams and how I'm supposed to choose, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, <laughs> Stephon Diggs, <laughs> or, or Cooper Cup to be outside the to- top 12. It's hard. I, I am going to choose Diggs out of that group. And and really the reason I'm going to choose Diggs over those other three, because I think that the way Diggs fails this year is through touchdowns or lack of touchdowns. Buffalo brings in James Cook. Devin Singletary looked a lot better coming on towards the end of the season last year. We know Josh Allen's going to run the football, especially inside the 10-yard line. Although it's a very low percentage, there is a realm of possibility where Stephon Diggs has the catches, has the yards, but just doesn't get the touchdowns this year. You know, Dawson Knox is a huge red zone threat. I already mentioned Josh Allen. Plus now you've got the emergence of Gabriel Davis a little bit. There's just a lot of weapons and Buffalo is going to be so dynamic offensively Mm -hmm. that maybe Diggs is just left behind a little bit with the touchdowns. And in fantasy football, we all love the touchdowns because that's what's bringing on the points, right? So I don't anticipate that happening, but if I had to choose one, Mm-hmm. It would be Stephon Diggs. <laughs> it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick on any of those guys in the top five. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just bringing so much to the table for their teams. The offenses, from the passing perspective, to to have run through them, whether it's you know their current team or or in the past, um, <clears throat> and they're just studs. All all five of them are studs. And another piece with Diggs that you can't forget about. They brought in OJ Howard as well. So that's just another. Uh, tight end that can take red zone targets from you, you know, just kind of piggybacking on what you're saying. But yeah, you know, these guys are, these guys are top tier and definitely, as you mentioned earlier, should be drafted as such. So tight ends, let's hash those guys out. Top 12, I'll start 12 through nine and then I'll swing it back over to you, Trevor. So number 12 for me in the tight end game, I'm looking at Robert Tunyon. Now, I had a couple guys that are right outside of that range with tight ends. It's a hard position to draft. If you don't get the top five, you know, it's just one of those positions that 
uh, it really becomes a streaming sort of process where you're looking at matchups and you're anticipating what's going to happen. But Robert Tunyon is number 12 for me. At number 11, I've got Mike Gesicki. At number 10, I've got Dallas Goddard. And at number nine, I have Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz had sort of a breakout last year with the Dallas Cowboys. And as I mentioned earlier with CeeDee Lamb, there are more targets available for him. So this is a guy that I'm looking at to potentially catapult up. I know a lot of other fantasy experts have him a little bit higher, maybe in the six to eight range. So just a couple spots up from where I have him. There's something about the Dallas Cowboys, aside from C.D. Lamb, I guess, that just has me feeling a little bit off from drafting any, any of them. I don't know if it's you know coming off of that playoff loss from last year. I don't know what the culture's like down there with Mike McCarthy still running the team. It just seems like they didn't make a whole lot of correct moves this offseason uh, when it comes to you know bringing in the right personnel and all that stuff. So there's just a, a few things with them that that make me a little timid. And Dalton Schultz is one of those guys that, unless I have to, I'll probably draft around him. But, you know, he's also has that boomer bust potential in my mind. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I do have him higher than you do by one spot. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'll run through mine here though. I got at number twelve. I have Mike Gusecki. Uh So pretty close to where you were. I think you said eleven there. Uh, Pat Fryer moved here for me at eleven. Broke out his rookie season, which is pretty un- unheard of from tight end. So excited to see him out there again this year. Cole Komet here at number ten. I'm really hoping that this Justin Fields thing works out and come back and stay healthy. And Dawson Knox at number nine. We just talked about the Buffalo offense with Stephon Diggs a little bit, but Knox brings a lot to the table. Nine receiving touchdowns last year, tied atop the tight end list with Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry. Anytime you're putting yourself in with, with guys like Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, you're doing something right. He's very touchdown dependent though. Uh, obviously, when you score that many touchdowns, you're going to be high on the tight end list. Hopefully, you know, for his sake and anybody who's got him in fantasy, he'll have those tight end or he'll have those touchdowns again this year. But I can't really move him higher. I mean, I would love it. Like, hey, he's going to have maybe he regresses a little bit. He has six to eight touchdowns. He just doesn't get the volume. He had 71 targets last year. That's that's way down the list for tight ends. Uh, just in targets. That's not even counting the receptions. We're not getting fantasy points for targets. Uh, that's pretty far down the list of tight ends there. I don't really like anyone in this range. I'm not targeting anyone. If I have to target one of them, it's going <laughs> to be Dawson Knox. ADP kind of shows him landing in the middle of the 10th round. So if you're a, you know, you're a fill my, my starting lineup type drafter and you're like, I have to get a tight end and you missed out on those top five or six. Okay. You could take Dawson Knox in the 10th round. But this is this is truly a part of the draft that if I'm drafting one of these tight ends, I'm the, I'm going to be the very last person in my draft to draft a tight end. I'm not drafting these guys. <laughs> Period. <laughs> no, I'm just going to stream tight ends at that point, right? Yeah, I'm not no, going to draft a Dawson Knox to start him every week. I'll stream him, and I'll you know, put him, you know, when they play the Bengals or the chiefs and you, you're going to look for a lot of touchdowns and a lot of points. I'd love Dawson Knox. Right. But it's not a guy that I'm going to be throwing out there in my starting lineup every week. And honestly, you know, outside of the top six tight ends, there's not a lot of guys that I'm targeting. It's really like those six and then best available. And it's at the appropriate time. Like I'm not trying to reach for Dawson Knox, like you said, in round eight or nine, when I know I can snag him early 10th, maybe even 11th, depending on how the other needs of the other teams around you are falling, falling out. You know, Dawson Knox, for me, I have him just one spot ahead of Dalton Schultz at number eight, just ahead of him. And number seven is Zach Ertz. So I have Zach Ertz right outside of my top six. And this is strictly because of the wide receiver situation going on in Arizona. I think that first six weeks that he's going to that DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss in that offense, potentially Hollywood Brown misses some time with his whole situation going on. 
Zach Ertz and Kyler Murray developed a little bit of a rapport towards the end of last year. Zach Ertz was putting up some respectable numbers from the tight end position, especially when you factor in what the average tight end is bringing to the table. So having Zach Ertz up there at number seven, you know, if I miss out on those six guys, that is somebody that I'd be targeting for maybe an eighth or ninth round draft pick. Just depends on on how the rest of the board's falling, though. You know, if I if if it's eight or nine and I feel there's a better wide receiver that can contribute a little bit more to my team, you know, I'm going with a guy like that. But Zach Ertz is going to put up a lot of those early points. And if you're paying off those first six weeks, you got a steady contributor at a position that's very hard to find that in. That's enough to roll into the rest of the season where he's still getting those looks in the red zone or he's still getting those looks in those situations when those receivers come back. And then at number five, I have TJ Hawkinson. I'm sorry, at number six, I have TJ Hawkinson. And then number five is Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta. I mean, basically a wide receiver. <laughs> You've said it before, uh, sitting in that tight end spot. So he's bringing some, um, a lot of flavor to that position for sure. One of the things that you mentioned when talking about Zach Ertz is talking about the running backs or wide receivers that are being drafted around the, these guys. We're talking a onesie position. If you're not going to get the greatest one, to me, there's no real big point of drafting one. I, I went back to look at Dawson Knox. Guys are being drafted around him here. Chase Edmonds, starting running back, a starting running back. Right. Again, <laughs> in the 10th round, but he's a starting running back. Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker. That'll change a little bit with Kenneth Walker's injury news coming out this week. Chris Olave's in this range. Traylon Burks. So some of these rookie wide receivers are in that. I do Sky like Burks this year too. I'm taking these guys that at, at some point in the season, I can put them in my flex. I'm never going to put a tight end at this point in, in my flex. I, I'm truly top tight end or punt tight end. My line is going to be really probably seven. I have Dalton Schultz at eight here. I have Dallas Goddard at seven. I don't really love the Dallas Goddard. Like I would probably draw my line even at six, which is TJ Hawkinson for me. I would, I would absolutely draft TJ Hawkinson. And then I have Darren Waller. If I'm going to miss the top five tight ends who are the elite tight ends, I'll draft Hawkinson here, you know, sixth round, seventh round. If he's there, I find that really good value seven of the 12 games he played last year. And I think that's important. He only played 12 games. So we're kind of forgetting about the fact that he was injured, but when we go back seven of those games, he has at least eight targets and all seven of those games, he has double digit fantasy points. So when they're getting him the ball, when they're targeting TJ Hawkinson, he is following through. And a couple of the duds are against defenses like Baltimore, Pittsburgh, not really defenses that you want tight ends running against anyways, unless they are that, that elite tight end. There's not a lot of tight ends out there, especially at the back end of tight ends that have a 25-point ceiling. And Hawkinson has really shown the ability on multiple occasions to put up 20-plus fantasy points. He's you know got a floor that sits around 8 to 10. He's got that spike-weak ability. In the middle of the draft here, I really like TJ Hawkinson. I think he's great value for where he's going in drafts right now. That 10 to 12 floor... You know, you really can't ask for much more from a from a tight end if you're able to plug a guy like that in your lineup. And I do like like me some TJ Hawkinson, but going into that top four, put Darren Waller at number five. And that's who I really wanted to highlight in this range because I could absolutely see him regressing from what we've seen the last few years. Darren Waller is kind of nursing this mysterious hamstring, upper leg, quad, thigh injury. In camp, there's not a whole lot of buzz going on about it. There were some trade rumors early in the offseason. Uh, there were some rumors about him being involved in that trade for Devontae Adams. Which would have so been a, sick. I mean, it would have been crazy. It would have been bad for Las Vegas, but to put Waller with Aaron Rodgers would have been, that would have been nice. It would have been huge for Aaron Rodgers because it basically gives him that wide receiver that he's been looking for. And and what better player to replace Devontae Adams with than a top-tier tight end? Someone who's going to stretch the field for you, be that possession guy. And you could run a two-tight end set with him and Tunyon. Absolutely. That's a guy that I'm looking at in this range, not only because there's a lot of mysterious scenarios going on around him, 
Um, but he did get hurt quite a bit last year as well. Darren Waller was hurt in, in the crunch time of the, of the fantasy season, you know, not to fault him for that because you can't control when you get injured. But that's one of those things that I don't want to become a trend as he enters his 30s. He is 28, maybe 29 even, getting on the older end. And, you know, we're already seeing these these injuries popping up with him uh, as he's moving through. And there's new people. There's new mouths to feed in the Vegas offense. You don't know if he's going to be that red zone guy or that guy that stretches the field for him, you know, getting him into field goal range as the clock's winding down. That's probably going to be Devontae Adams. So there's going to be some opportunities taken from him as well, which kind of puts him at four for me. And then number three, I've got George Kittle. That's another guy that gives me injury concerns. You know, George Brittle, that whole thing. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. And then Mark Andrews at number two. If Travis Kelsey wasn't who he was and with his body of work, I would definitely put Mark Andrews number one. But until I see some major regression from Travis Kelsey, he's firmly tied in number one for me. And, you know, if he was in the wide receiver room, he'd be a top 10 wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there about Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's shown the ability. He's he's always up there. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mark Andrews here. But first, George Kittle at four. For me, I have talked way too much probably about that San Francisco offense that I just really believe in this year with Trey Lance, Debo, Kittle, all the above. Kyle Pitts here at at three. You know, we want to talk about Travis Kelsey being a top 10 wide receiver. Here's another guy you said earlier, wide receiver playing tight end. Honestly, the only question for Kyle Pitts right now is that offense. But he, he performed last year and he showed up and I really believe that he's going to be a staple in this league for a long time. I have Mark Andrews at two, Travis Kelsey at one, but come on, Mark Andrews. Finally, someone dethrones Travis Kelsey as the tight end one last year. Kelsey had six straight years as the tight end one in fantasy football. Mark Andrews comes in 2021 takes over that spot. So thinking about that, it probably would be fair to have Mark Andrews ranked here at number one. But if we look back actually to last year, most of his greatness came when Tyler Huntley was playing, not, not when Lamar was playing, not to say, I mean, Lamar loves him some Mark Andrews, but that team threw the ball a lot more when Huntley was the quarterback compared to when Lamar's the quarterback. It's so close between Kelsey and Andrews, but I mean, I'm going to take the offense. That's going to throw the ball a ton. And that's what, that's what Kansas city is going to do. Right. Both of these guys are the number one targets on their team. Andrews will still be that guy in Baltimore. I'm very confident in drafting him, especially if I'm in the back end of round two and he falls to that range. I'm, I'm looking to snag him there. I'm not going to reach up to the one, two turn for a Mark Andrews. I like a, too many wide receivers better than that. But if, if you get him here at the back end of round two, uh, I love that a lot. He He's going to smash still. I just, I don't think he's going to be the best tight end this year. He's going to be consistent. He's going to give you some of those high flying weeks, a couple touchdowns here and there. So give me some Mark Andrews um, at the two spot. Looking at this list, we've, we've been kind of harping on it all this whole show. If you don't get these top five, top six, it's really not worth it to spend a lot of premium draft capital on the position. To be honest with you. Now, if you're looking outside your top 12, the guys that we listed, who, who would you elevate into that realm? Or who do you think deserves to be, you know, with elite 12? Yeah. Elite 12 might be, <laughs> might be rough, but the guy I do think that should be up in the top 12 or could end up in the top 12 is the tight end there in Denver, Denver, Albert Akui Boonham. That's another offense that we're not a hundred percent sure how that's going to look, right? It's got a new quarterback, new schemes there. Williams will probably be the, the number one running back there. They lose Tim Patrick is Sutton, Judy, Alberto. They got Greg Dolchett there. That's been making some highlights in the, uh, in, in training camp. But at the end of the day, at the end of the season, you tell me Albert O ends up as tight end eight on the year. I won't be surprised at all. I think that he he's shown some abilities in the past. He's flashed here and there. Let's see him as the tight end one. Now Noah Fant is gone. Give me some Albert O. This is a guy that I would target because he's he's way down in the drafts, right? So if I'm not 
if I'm telling you I'm punting tight end, he's a guy that I would punt to because if it doesn't work out after the first week or two, okay, see you later, right? I'll, I'll just start streaming. But I like Albert O, and, and I think uh, he could potentially be in the top 12. Another guy also I didn't put on the sheet, Zach Ertz. Like you, you talked a lot about him, and you're absolutely right. I don't have him in my top 12. I have him sitting right at, outside of it at 13, uh, actually 14. I have him actually right behind Albert O. I, I worry about his age a little bit, but he he deserves to, to be talked about, and I'm happy that he was in the top in your top 12 so we could give the listeners uh, a little bit of f- uh, feedback on him because I do think that he does have that rapport with Kyler. I like the Albert O pick from, from you over in Denver. That's a guy who is in my top 15 for sure. But at number 13, a guy that I was, you know, I was kind of flip-flopping back and forth between putting Tunyon or Fryermuth in there. And I love Fryermuth. I think he has the talent to be uh, eventually one of those top 10, top eight tight ends. The only question mark for me is the quarterback play in Pittsburgh. I don't know who's throwing him the rock. Who's doing that? So until, until those questions are answered, you know, he's sitting outside, outside the top 12 for me. But I had him in a, my team last year. Darren Waller went down. Firemuth was the perfect fill-in, being able to pick him up off the waivers and won me a Super Bowl. So I do have a little bit of a uh, a little partial to to him and what he was able to do. But you know, watching him play, great red zone target, and uh, you know, definitely has potential to sneak his way into that twelve. Well, let's talk a little bit about guys that you're going to be avoiding at cost. We tell you about all of our ranks, but let's start to put this into perspective of actual drafting. Who's out there that might cost a little bit more than what you're willing to pay for here in your top 12. So you picked the guy that I wanted to talk about. I know I got you in wide receiver, but you got me in tight end. So I'll let you, I'll let you talk about him, but a guy I'm looking at for sure is Mike Gesicki. That's someone that, you know, he's getting a lot of praise from different people that the Dolphins offense in general is getting praise. And I just don't know how, how it's going to make sense feeding him and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and all of those running backs that they have back there are pass catchers, Chase Edmonds. I'm pretty sure they have Sony Michelle back there too, among others. So you know, Tua's inconsistencies aside, there's a lot of mouths to feed over there. And we've been talking about it the whole time anyway. You know, there's no sense in reaching or overdrafting for these tight ends. But even at cost where he's kind of projected to go and a lot of these drafts, um, you know, I'm just not just not not going for it this year. Yeah, I'm seeing him here in the ninth round and the ADP that I'm looking at. I, I would agree yeah. like. No thanks. There's plenty of there's plenty of other opportunities there. The guy I'm going with though is to me is so easy. It's Dalton Schultz. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know, there's a lot of targets that are gone there in Dallas, and a lot of people are high on Dalton Schultz. But he's he's being drafted right now. The ADP I'm looking at is 505. <laughs> Around Brandon Cooks, Travis Etienne, Cortland Sutton, and then you start the quarterbacks of Hertz and Murray. Like there's there's no way that I will be drafting Dalton Schultz this year. If this is the ADP that I see when I start doing my, my own leagues, no way I, I won't have any Dalton Schultz. This is, this is way too expensive. <laughs> I believe it's probably just the driving force that there is not a lot of tight ends. And we understand that, which is why I continue to preach elite or you punt it because What's happening is you hit that threshold. You hit, you know, George Kittle, Darren Waller goes off the board in the fourth round. And now everybody starts to think like, well, I need a tight end and and Dalton Schultz the next one. So they just grab the next tight end. And I can't do that. I'm happy to pass on him there. Let somebody like TJ Hawkinson fall towards the end of the sixth round. Take him over a fifth round Dalton Schultz. Every single time. It just, it's too expensive and he really needs to, if he was mid sixth round, you know, I'm going to talk about it. I have Hawkinson above him, so I'm still taking Hawk, but I'll, I would at least allow it. But right now I I wouldn't even allow it. And this is the type (laughs) of pick that when you're in your home leagues and you want to talk some trash, you know, there's going to be that guy that does this. 
And as soon as that happens, you got to make sure that you, you let that guy or gal hear it from you because this is a bad pick. It's a, it's a bad fantasy pick. Totally agree. That's, that was the number one guy when I was looking at, you know, the ADP having him drafted above TJ Hawkinson just seems unfathomable to me. (laughs) And the fact that enough people are doing it to have his ADP higher than, than Hawkinson is just kind of wild. You know, these guys, (laughs) <laughs> I hope someone in, in my leagues drafts him in those rounds. You know, I'm praying that somebody drafts in those rounds. That means someone else has fallen to me. Exactly. In um, that. that next pick. In that next pick. And 100%, you want that fodder, that trash-talking fodder. And, uh, you know, there's going to be that guy that's just sitting there with the ESPN Top 100 and just scrolling through the, you know, the tight end section. It's like, okay, so Dalton Schultz is the next guy I need to pick then. And overpay for him so don't be that guy that's the bottom line do not be that guy and do not panic if you see a run of tight ends um, that just means that there's other positions that are going to fall to you that you can fortify your roster with with and stream that tight end in the season dan i know we're running close to time here let me let me just Tell the listeners, go check out our new NFL podcast on Stadium Rant channel over on Spotify. Go check it out. Give us a follow. Find me on Twitter at Trevor S underscore FF. Hit us up in the DMs. Leave a comment on Apple Podcasts here for us. We're doing this so we can help you be a better drafter and be well prepared for your drafts that are coming up. It's redraft season. It's the end of August. It's almost football season. You got to get start getting prepared. Go back, listen to all of our episodes. Most of those rankings are still the same today. There's going to be little changes here and there. Injuries are going to happen. But go back, take a listen, and good luck drafting. And we're going to hopefully give you some more information next week on, on draft strategies and, and how to win your draft. But these rankings are important. Make sure that you have your own set when you go into your draft so you're well prepared. And don't forget to follow ADP on Twitter at ADP underscore podcast SR. And we are presented by Stadium Rant. So at Stadium Rant HQ is the Twitter. We're putting out all kinds of news, articles from the website, uh, just constant promotion and ways for you to engage with the channel and, and the whole team that we here have here at Stadium Rant. You know, there's over 100 writers that we have on our team, and all of them are nuts about football, as well as other sports, of course. But uh, football is the big one for us. So give me a follow as well on Twitter at Dan underscore TF40. Happy to engage with you if you have any questions throughout the season, want to run a scenario by me, you know, <laughs> it's week 10. You have two tight ends that you can pick up from the waiver. Throw that at us. We're we're always on. We're always there to help you guys out. Appreciate everybody listening. And next week we'll have some draft strategy and our very first guest. A lot of fun stuff in store. Stay tuned with us, guys. I need to know everything. Who and the what and the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse, I'm ready for war, I'm coming for throws, to turn to a ghost, I need to know everything. Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk.